Um, you can turn your Bibles back, uh, excuse me, Haggai chapter 1. And uh, we're on a series called Radical. And the whole part of this series, and we'll talk about here in the next few weeks, um, is what, what's important to us and what we want to be known, known by um, as a church. And uh, we use the word radical because it's, it's different than, uh, than just um, the, what the world does. We, you know, so if the world sees us operating in who God's called us to be, they're going to look at us and say, you guys are different. You know, radical is just different. You know? it, doesn't, it doesn't mean mean. It doesn't mean ugly. It just means I'm going above and beyond. And, so, and that's what the whole heart of God. And so, so there are some things that we're going to be talking about in the next coming weeks that this is what we want to be known by. And today I want to talk about radical obedience. Radical obedience. And, and, and if, one definition that stuck out at me about what it means to, be, uh, to radically obey, it means to be permanent and inseparable from God. Permanent and inseparable from God. That means wherever God is, I'm going to be. In order for me to be where God is, I have to follow him. I have to obey him. And I, I'm, I'm going to be like this with God. Amen? That no matter what, in, in every single area, every single sphere of my life, I'm going to be like this. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do what he says. Um, if he tells me to turn right, I'm going to make a right immediately. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm just going to do it. And that's what radical obedience means. And a lot of times, we, we're, we, we go into a place where we're wanting to hear the voice of God. We go into the secret place. We're in a time of of seeking the Lord of these 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we're seeking him. And it's one of the greatest keys to living a Christian life is to really seek his voice and hear him. But we also need to do and obey what he tells us to do and who he tells us to be. That's why James in 120, James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving ourselves. And so the one way we deceive ourselves is that we hear things from the Lord. We hear the word taught. We hear the word when we read the Bible, when we speak to the Lord. And it's just like one ear and out the other. And we never really obey it. And so the Bible says that what we're doing is actually we are deceiving ourselves. We don't need the devil to help us at all. We do a good enough job at that. And so we're deceiving ourselves because we hear it, but don't do it. And and I hear this a lot of times. I've heard that before, but that's not the question. Are you doing what you heard before, right? Are you living it? Are you walking in it? Are you, is it part of your life? And and Paul talks, not Paul, but whoever the writer of Hebrew was, that's, that's a big discussion, you know, but Whoever wrote Hebrews, you know, the, the, the whole book of the book of Hebrews was written for a group of Hebrew people who hadn't seen Jesus come yet. And they were, um, they were impatient and wanting to go back to Judaism. That was the whole purpose of the whole book of Hebrews. And so Paul, oh, <laughs> there I go again, um, the writer of Hebrews says this to them and says, we need to move on from the elementary teaching of Jesus of laying on of hands, and he goes on this elementary teaching, but he can't move on because they're not doing it. They're not receiving it by faith. They're not walking in it by faith, and they're not doing it. And so a lot of times, things that you hear, listen, if you hear something over and over and over again, are you doing it? 
Because that may be a key, that may be a sign from the Lord, that may be God speaking to you to say, get your button gear, right, you know, and do it. And so we don't need to deceive ourselves. So you're in the book of Haggai, and Haggai was a minor prophet, and I love, when I talk about obedience, I always go to the story in Haggai, because I love the story. And so we're going to be in Haggai chapter 1 today, and I want to kind of give you some little bit background. How many of you have ever felt like um, you got to a place in life, and you felt like you should be in a, in a different place. You should be in a better place in life. I mean, probably in some form, some way, no matter how old or how young you are, you've gotten to this place where you thought, I thought if I would have reached this time, that I would be somewhere different. I would be in some better place than I am now. And it can happen on any stage of life. You can be in college and, and you can feel like, well, I went to this college and thinking that this was going to be better for me and, and, and I wake up every morning and I'm not fulfilled or anything or you get out of college and you get a job and you thought, well, I thought I'd have a better job than this. I thought I'd do this in, in this life. Or it may be, may be something else. Maybe you got married and you've been in, should we go there? <laughs> and you wake up and you look, oh, no, we're not going to go there. And um, you thought that life would be different. Well, this is where the Hebrews are in this time, in the book of Haggai. They thought they would have been different. They, this is the mood that they're going in. They thought they would have been in a different place. And I want to give you a little bit more backstory how why Haggai was raised up by God, the prophet. Because if you go back, you go back to King Solomon. In the fourth year of King Solomon's reign, King Solomon, by God, God told him to build me a temple. And he built this magnificent temple. From, people from all over would come and to see this and to worship God in this temple. This was a magnificent temple. Um, but when King Solomon died, the people's hearts turned away from the Lord. As soon as King Solomon died, they turned away from God. They got distracted um, like people often do. We kind of see the same story here today, right? I mean, in, in, even in our nation, that, that when things are going well... Um, instead of people diving in more to God and worshiping him, we get distracted by the things of life, right? And, and people kind of start to fall away from the Lord. And not, maybe not completely, but they're not as excited about the Lord. They're not going after him. But if there's something bad happens, they run back to him, right? And that was the nation of Israel. Uh, throughout the nation of Israel and, and the, the Hebrew people, they, were, they would go to God and when, when things are bad and, and, uh, and God would deliver them, things start to get good again and then they, then they would fall out of, of it and not be obedient to the Lord and fall away from the Lord and God, things would happen all over again. Big cycle that they went through and this is what was happening with them. But the people's heart after King Solomon died, they turned away from the Lord and they got distracted and, uh, and something began to happen. Things bad began to happen to them because they weren't obedient to the Lord. They weren't following the Lord God. They were following other things. They started worshiping other idols. They started worshiping other things. They started worshiping, worshiping themselves. And then uh, in 587 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon comes in. And the nation of Israel by that time has been split in two. Um, and the king Nebuchadnezzar comes in and crushes the southern kingdom, Judah, and uh, completely wipes them out and ends up destroying the temple. 
And not only is this completely humiliating to the Jewish people, they destroyed their whole city, the city of God. They grabbed all the people that were left and they brought them into slavery. They brought them into captivity. And not only that, they even destroyed, ended up destroying the house that, where God dwelt. So they stripped away everything, their spiritual identity and the Jewish people, and they were completely devastated. And this is, this is where we find them in. They're, they have been taken into captivity for decades. Uh, for 70 years, they were in captivity. 50 years after the, the temple was destroyed, they were in captivity for a total of 70 years. And here they are, this people, all they know is to be captives to this other nation. They are second-class citizens here in Babylon. And God works in this time, and he does a lot of things in this time, but, but this, is, this is terrible. In fact, some of their kids are growing up now, are growing up, and all they know is captivity. And then this is what's happened here. And then all of a sudden, God works through a number of things here. And you can, then in 538 BC, the king allows 50,000 people, 50,000 Jewish people to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And you think, finally, here we are. We're able to go back. You can imagine the relief they are. They're going to go back home. They're going to have their own identity again. They're going to be able to worship God like they want to in their own temple that they build again. They have these great ideas. I'm I'm, I'm sure the relief. 50,000 are traveling back with, with, with the approval of the king to go back and build the temple and they start to build the temple. They start to rebuild what was, what, was, what was in ruins. They build the walls. They build the foundation. They build the, the, the altar. And then, like, and then all of a sudden, there's a group of Samaritans there that don't like what they're doing. And they come and attack. And they keep on attacking. They keep on attacking them. And it gets hard. It got so difficult. And, it, and they begin to say, it must not be the right time because this is not easy anymore for us to do this. This is hard. And so that's the back, back story. So for 14 years, the people didn't work on the temple. For 14 years, the people didn't work on the temple. Now, remember, for seven decades, they were, they were in captivity. They, this is what they dreamt about. This is what they wanted to do. This is what, this is what they, they planned. They dreamt. They, they, they prayed, God, let's send us back. Send us back. But... And then when they went back, it got hard, and they stopped. So 14 years, it was difficult, and they didn't do it anymore. And they put the project on hold. They, instead of working on God's house, they didn't do it. But they did work on their own houses. They actually started to build their own houses, and they built very, very nice houses. And they forgot about God's house. So this is what happened. God raises up Haggai. And here's Haggai, and he's the prophet and he's coming to call back the people to build the temple. So we're going to dive in to, to, to Haggai chapter 1, uh, verse 2. And it actually starts kind of funny with, to me, when, when the wording that's used here. And then it says, this is what the Almighty says. He says, these people say, the time has not yet come to build the Lord's house. Now, any time that God speaks about the Hebrew people, he always uses these words, my people. But here he's using these words, these people. It reminds me of what my wife does when my kids get in trouble. 
They're not her kids anymore. For some reason, when they're in trouble, they're my kids. Because it must be my fault that's why they're doing what they're doing. I mean, everyone means ever did this. And so this is what God's doing. He says, my people would be building my house. So these are these people. And this is what he says. He said, these people say the time is not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. And the reason that they're not building the Lord's house is because it was hard. It got hard for them. These people are not building my house because, the, because they're saying the time is not now. My people would say the time is now. My people, if you're my people, what you're going to do, you're going to be obedient. If you're my people, you're going to do whatever it takes, no matter what comes, the opposition that comes around you. But these are these people. And what happened was it was getting hard for them, so they stopped building the temple. For 14 years, and here's Haggai calling them back. Why are you doing it? And, 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 and it's because they received opposition. You see, when you receive opposition, it isn't always a sign that God is against you. A lot of times, it's a sign that you are doing what God wants you to do. And that's why I tell people all the time, I don't really worry when people um, are opposing me. I worry when there's no one is. Because I'm not, maybe I'm not doing what God is calling me to do. The moment you start to move forward and be obedient to God and what God's called you to do, to do something, you mark it down. Because if it's in the heart of God and you start to do what God's called you to do, there's most likely you're going to have spiritual and physical opposition that's coming your way. Now, it doesn't always mean that. It doesn't mean always mean that when it's hard that it's that it's that this must be God. Sometimes it's hard because we're just stupid, right? And we do stupid things, right? And we're not following God and we're going off on our own and we don't have, you know, the Bible talks about that you need wise counsel. If you don't have wise counsel, godly men and women that are actually doing something for the Lord, um, get it, get it around you. We have many of them here run it by people but some people just go off and do whatever they want to do and then they think think this is hard this is hard it must be god no it's just you you know but but a lot of times what's happening is um when you do something that's close to the heart of god and it gets difficult and it gets challenging it it doesn't mean that god isn't in it it means that God is probably in it and the, all the forces of hell are coming against you to do it. And so I want us to have radical obedience no matter what is going on around us. So I'm going to give you five points how to radically obey the Lord today. Five points here. It's out of the book of Haggai. And, um, and here are the, here's the first one. Always do what's right no matter what. Always do what's right, no matter what. Over and over again, you just tell yourself, God, I'm in it. I'm going to continue. Uh, no matter what, your grace is sufficient for me. You're going to empower me to do that. And I'm not going to quit when it gets hard. Because I see so many people in the body of Christ quit when there's opposition. Because they think it's not right. Let me tell you something. Jesus had opposition. Jesus had opposition. When he is on the cross, not only talking about that part being having opposition, where is the crowd of people that followed him? They're gone. You have a few left that are even there. And when a lot of people, times, times when we're in opposition, we think, oh, you must not be of God. Or you, that's not true. 
It's not always true when that happens. You always do what's right no matter what because it can be easy not to do what's right. Look at the, the, the Hebrews here in Haggai. They stopped doing what was right because there was opposition. That was not God for them to stop building the temple. But they did it because it was hard for 14 years. They found it easy to do what they wanted to do. They found it easy to build their houses. It was easy to do that. It's easy to hold a grudge when someone says something to you. It's hard to forgive. In fact, there's probably opposition in your own life to forgive, right? Oh, I don't want to forgive. They haven't asked me to forgive them. Well, it doesn't matter what they ask you. Jesus says forgive. You don't hold a grudge. You you forgive. It's easy to continue to spend more money than you make and go into debt. Isn't that right? It's easy to do that. But it's hard to live within your means. It's hard to sacrifice. It's hard to go out there and get a second or third job so you can get out of debt. So you can be completely generous when God tells you to. It's easy to give up when things are hard. It's easy to give up. So you've got you've to have this mindset that I'm going to do what's right. No matter what comes around me, no matter what's coming against me, I'm going to do what's right no matter what. I'm going to do what's right no matter who follows me. I'm going to do what's right no matter what anybody else says about me. I don't care what's on Facebook. I'm doing what's right. Amen? No matter what. And here, here it is, the followers of God here have stopped because it's hard. And this is what the prophet's going to help them do. He's going to help them empower them to do it. And he essentially tells them, the time is now to do it. Yes, it's hard, but do it. So always do what's right, no matter what. Remember that. Now, I want you to think for just a moment right here and ask yourself, Is there any unfinished assignment in your life? I want you to think about maybe an experience, something God told you to do that you didn't do because it was hard, opposition came in, and you just gave up. What is it? Maybe there's something that happened just yesterday or maybe a few months ago, or it could be 14 years ago. I don't know. And maybe God, and you're going to ask God, God, this is an unfinished assignment. Am I supposed to continue? Am I actually supposed to do it? I want you to think about that as we're talking through this message. Am I supposed to continue this? Am I supposed to still be obedient to that word, what God told me to do a number of years ago? I want you to ask the Lord, is there something in your heart that's still a burden and it's likely from God, but you didn't do it. Think about that and ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit, am I supposed to do that? Because I believe he still is going to empower you to do something that maybe you gave up on, but God hasn't given up on. Maybe, maybe he has something in your heart that you were supposed to do and it's, it's 20 years, it's 30 years now. Listen, if God is still in it and still want it, then sometimes some things have passed and you can't go back there. And you just need to give it to the Lord and move on, right? But there are some things that maybe God is, has a burden on you that you still need to do, amen? And you want to be obedient. And so ask the Lord during this time and ask him, is it? Because for many of us, God may speak to you in the very same way that he's speaking to the people of Haggai here. It's been 14 years. But he's saying, he says, I want you to do this. The time is now. The time is now to do it.
And let's read on. Let's look at verse 3 and through 5 here. This is what God says. He says, Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, and God asked, Is it, is it a time for you yourself to be living in your paneled houses while the house, my house, remains in ruins? Now, this is what God said. And it brings me to my second point. Because here's what he says. Give careful thought to your ways. So number one, we want to do what's right no matter what. Number two, we want to examine how we live. He's, he's telling these Hebrews people, look how you're living. I want you to examine. I want you to give careful thought to your ways. Think about how you're living. Is it time for you to live in these panel houses while my house lives in ruin? Is it time for you to dis- continue to disobey me and do whatever you want? Is it time for you to do that? And what is a, in the world is a panel house? So it basically, it, it's basically, it, it has everything in it that you could ever dream. It has a, the granite countertops. Are those still the, the important thing for people? Anyway, it's still, I, I haven't bought a house in 20 years. But anyway, it, what, what is it that you desire in your house? That's what's in it. They had the hot tub. They had the pool. They had the pool table. They had the man's cave. I mean, this is, this is the panel house. These are the nicest houses. They went on and built their houses because it was easy and left God's house in ruin. And he says, I want you to examine how you're living. How are you living? How are you doing things today? Because we've got to examine this. Are you being obedient to the Lord or have you just left that behind and just lived your own life? Because let me tell you something. You can live a good life without God but you won't be fulfilled. Amen. You can live without God. People do it all the time. And I'm not trying to hear it to manipulate you and say, if you live the life of God, you're going to be blessed and blessed and blessed. You can be blessed and blessed without God, as far as the world's concerned. But you will not be fulfilled. You will not have that true happiness, that true joy. You will not be fulfilled without him. And that's why obedience is so important. That I want to be obedient to the Lord. It doesn't mean that if you're going to be obedient to the Lord, you're going to lose everything else. I don't believe God's against you to be prosperous in any way. I think you need to be prosperous with a purpose. Not just for yourself, right? But for the kingdom. God's not against you being prosperous. He wants you to be obedient. He wants you to love him enough to lay down your life for what he says. And so, so the Haggai, the prophet, is saying, examine yourselves. We have to examine ourselves. This is a great time. This is what the 21 days of prayer and fasting is all about, is examining myself. God, what do I need to change? What do I need to move around? What do I need to... I want to I be all about you. I want to be all about your kingdom. I want to be all about the things of God. I want to I be consumed with you, God. That's, that's what 21 days of prayer and fasting. Get out of my life that's not of you, and I want what is you in my life, and I want to be a, a, a radically obedient to that that's what God is calling us to that's what our church is going to be known for is to be radically obedient to his word to his holy spirit no matter who comes no matter what comes against us no matter what comes for us we're going to be radically obedient because that's our that's our focus is God in your will I want to be consumed with him so give careful thought to your ways because God wants me to do what's right no matter what but he wants me to examine myself 
And this is what God says. I guarantee you there are many here who say, probably feel exactly what this. He goes on and he tells the Hebrew people, you may feel like this too. He says, not only have, have you just focused on your own houses and not my house, this is what's happening to you. You've planted much, but you harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have you, your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put a purse Put them in a purse with holes in it. Wow. Let me give you an updated version of that modern translation. This is Sean translating. You work your butt off and you still don't feel like you've accomplished anything. Right? You're still not fulfilled. You're pouring your life into, into something, whatever you're pouring your life into, and it feels empty and hollow. You have more than you've ever wanted. And you still don't feel satisfied. That's what it's saying here. That's what God is saying here. You entertain yourself. You go, you go to games. You, you go to movies. You eat out. And there's nothing wrong with those things. In and of themselves. But if that's all you do. You're not being obedient. And it's stopping you from being obedient to God. Then it becomes wrong. And you're longing for something else. And God's saying, how's that working for you? He's looking at these Hebrews people and says, hey, listen. How's that working for you? It's time to build a temple. It's time to go after it. It's time to do it. And it's, yeah, you, you didn't do it 14 years ago. You disobeyed me and you didn't continue. You didn't have faith that I could actually take care of the Samaritans. And I've done that before for you. You didn't trust me enough. You didn't do the steps I've given you. But here, I know you feel bad. And this is how loving our God is, Right? This is how, how much he loves us. This is how much he loves us. And he says, give careful thought to your ways. And then this is what he basically says. I'm going to give you steps again on how to do it. Here, here's, here's another opportunity. God always gives us opportunity if we realize where we're at and we're willing to go forward with him. It is never, listen to me, if, as long as you are walking on this earth, it is never too late to be obedient to God. You can be obedient today. Yeah, you might have been disobedient. You might have been disobedient for the last 30 years. Be obedient today. Amen. And this is what he does. He gives them the steps. He says, number one, go up to the mountain. Then he says, the second thing, bring down the timber. And then the third thing, build my house. Go up the mountain, bring down the timber, and build my house. He's given them the steps. He says, I know that you've been overwhelmed and you probably didn't to, you know, have, have the time to take it in. So here, and he says again, I want you to go up to the mountain, bring down the timber and build my house. I want to give you the steps. So he's saying, he's saying, listen, do what's right, no matter what, no matter the opposition. Examine yourself, what's stopping you from being obedient. What have you allowed in to get your focus and this brings my third, third step. Just do the steps that I've given you. Whatever the steps are. And here's the problem. So many of us want the whole picture. Well, listen, God doesn't always give you the whole picture. He may only give you one step. Do that step. 
Well, I want to, I want to know how, how am I going to pay for all this? How am I going to do all this? He, he, don't worry about it. Be faithful with what he's given you. Do the steps. Do what he's told you to do. I need to know the details, Sean. I need to know how I'm going to do that. How am I going to, I, I, I have to go up to the mountain. I know it, and it's hard to go up the mountain, by the way. It's not easy going up the mountain. Just, just think about these Hebrew people. They probably have never been up the mountain. That's where the Samaritans were coming from. They've probably never done that. They've been in their panel houses, you know, just sipping on their, what, their cocktails or whatever. It's going to be hard to go up the mountain. And then they have to get the timber. Listen, the timber doesn't cut itself down itself. They know what that means. You've got to bring the timber down. Then you've got to carry it. There's no trucks. And then they're going to come down and start to build a temple. What's the other steps? How am I going to do all this? This this is what they want, but don't worry about steps four, five, and six. Do steps one, two, and three. And this is what it means that his word is a lamp unto my feet. He's going to show you steps one, steps two, steps three. Maybe just step one. I don't know what it is for you. You don't have to worry about four, five, and six. Just do the one. He'll give you the two. Do the two. He'll give you the three, and so on. Just be faithful. You know, I know when Chad and Sarah, when they went to Russia, um, they didn't have all the steps. They didn't know what they were getting into. They just knew they had to go. They knew their contact there. And that's probably about it, right? That was probably about it. And look what God has done. Do the steps. Do what he's called you to do. Go up and do it. I want to lose weight. Well, what does God say about it? Do the steps. Get off the couch. At least get off the couch. Right? Eat right. You know, whatever it is, just do the steps. I, I, I'm in debt. Well, listen, do the steps. We have another Dave Ramsey starting here in, in the next month. Get on it. Do the steps. There are steps in Dave Ramsey, by the way, that can help you get out of debt. Just do the steps. What is God saying to you? Do what he's told you to do. And this is what it means by walking in the spirit. When he commands me to do something, I listen and I take that step to obey by faith. I'm walking by the spirit and I do it. And if I don't see any steps, I'm just, I just stay still waiting on the Lord. And then boom, here it comes. Boom, here it comes. But I just do it. You be, do it by faith. It's not easy. But you do it. Because I examine my life and I'd rather be with God and being obedient to him than without. I've, I've been disobedient with the Lord. Or I, let me say this. Because there's this gray area. It's not, it's actually disobedience. Let's just call it what it is. But if I'm not obeying God, I'm, I'm actually disobeying him, Right? But this kind of gray area that we put ourselves in, that we think, well, I'm not fully disobedient. I'm still, I still love him, sort of. I'm still in this area of, yeah, I just, it's just, just got hard, and I'm just waiting for something else. And I'm, well, listen, nothing else comes because you've got to be faithful with what he's given you. Be obedient to him. Just go back and do it. You examine your life and just do the steps. Be faithful with what you know to do, no matter how hard it is, no matter what opposition is coming against you. Just do it.
Amen? There's so much blessing when you do it. There's so much joy when you have that. Even things are coming on around you, maybe, maybe coming against you. And you listen, I'm not, not saying every time I've been obedient with the Lord, it doesn't always come with disaster. I want you to know that. It doesn't always come with people coming against me. It doesn't always do that. It doesn't mean it's always easy. It doesn't mean it's completely hard, but just be faithful. And when you're faithful with what he's given you, then you're gonna, he's going to add more to it. And it's going to become easy because what his yoke is easy, his burden is light, right? Because you have the grace of God. Then what happens when things start to get hard, and, but you're faithful and you, and you continue to push through, the grace of God comes in. And that's that enablement. I talked about the grace of God last week. When the grace of God comes in, things start to become easier because it's not your own strength, it's his. He is not going to leave you nor forsake you. He's going to walk along with you and you're going to find it that though it might have been hard to push through, but God's the one who was right there opening the way, right? He was clearing the path. He was making things come to the right place in your life, amen? And so that's what we need to do. So, so continue, just examine yourself and do the steps. Number four, quit, quit talking about it. Quit just thinking about it and do it. Do it. Do the next thing that God has shown you today. Get up and do it. Get up and start it. Some of you, I believe there's books to be written in our body. God showed me this a number of years ago. That books are supposed to be written in our body. You are supposed to write a book. I don't know who you are, but you are supposed to write a book. You are supposed to, supposed to start a teaching channel on YouTube. Well, what if no one watches? Well, they can't watch you right now because you're not on. Some of you have certain giftings and talents that maybe you are supposed to go on and help people with. Do it. Just get up and do it. Start the page. Start writing down whatever God tells you to write down towards your book. Start writing. Well, what if it's not right? Don't worry. Just write it. You will learn and God will help you. God will bring editors. God will bring people in your path to help you do that. Just be faithful. Get on YouTube. Get on uh, Rumble. Get on whatever and start doing something. Start writing devotions every day and put them on Facebook. There's so many devotions out there, but there's not yours. Get out and be faithful with what God has told you to do. Don't miss the opportunity. You have an opportunity here. Don't just sit there. Just get up, serve, do something. Watch God move. Oh, I've always wanted to go on a mission trip. You have opportunities to go on mission trips this year. Well, how am I going to pay for it? Who cares? It's not up to you. If God told you, he will provide for you, right? Trust me, God has something for you to do. And not, not just, just and, I, and, and we put ministry and put other things and we separate them. And I don't want to separate anything because what God tells you to do is his will. That's right. So maybe it's, it's to do the business that God's called you to do. 
Get up and do it. it whatever it may be. It may be just, just in, in your family relationships. Maybe you've been wanting to, to pray with your kids. But you've never prayed with your kids before. And now they're 16. Right? And it's hard to take a 16-year-old who has a car and get them sit down for any length of time, right? Just start now. Hey, listen, I've got 30 seconds. I want to pray with you. Start somewhere. And start praying for your kids. Whatever God has put on your heart to be that dad, that mom, that husband, that, that wife, whatever it is, just start doing it today. Stop talking about it. He's given you the steps. You need to examine your life to get things out of your life that's stopping you. Whether it's fear, whether it's other things that you focus on. And do what's right no matter what. Do what's right no matter what. Do the steps. Quit talking and start doing. And and number five, surrender. Completely surrender your life to God. I want God to know that I'm serious about him and serious about pleasing him. When I said yes to following Jesus, I gave him all my heart, all my life. And not, I'm not perfect at that. That's why I examine myself. I have, I have every, every, every 90 days, I, I, do, I, do, I look back on my life and I judge my life because I, want, I need to judge it. Because if I don't judge it, someone else is going to judge it, and that's God. And I, I'd rather judge it now and get everything right, right? So I examine my life. I ask the Holy Spirit, what am I not doing? Because I want to live a fully surrendered life. It's not about me. I'm not building my kingdom here. I'm not building my life here. I'm building God and what he wants and what he desires. And I long for those, those deep relationships, times with Christ, those meaningful conversations with the Father. But I need to surrender my life. If I want to be obedient, radically obedient, I've got to surrender. I've got to surrender ownership of my life. I'm fully surrendered to the Lord. And this 21 days of fasting and prayer Make sure you come to that place where you fully surrender. God, my business, my job, it's, it's yours. My family, it's yours. My life, it's yours. I take no ownership of my life anymore. I don't want control. I can't handle control. I give it to you. And I surrender everything. Because I want to be one who does what's right, no matter what the opposition is. No matter how hard it gets, no matter what people say, I want to do what's right. And God, I want to to have a lifestyle where I'm examining myself. God, I don't want anything in my life stopping me from doing and being obedient to you. If you say build a temple, I'm going to build a temple. If you say go, I'm going to go. If you say stop, I'm going to stop. If you say just be quiet, I'm going to shut up. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. I want to be that obedient because it matters. It matters for me personally. It matters to my kids that I'm obedient. 
they are better off if I'm obedient. My wife is better off when I'm obedient to God. Ask her. Just ask her. She'll tell you. Many, she, does, she For some reason, she is not, she doesn't mind telling you what I've done wrong. Okay? So, so f- f- feel free to. Because when she says it, she says it in joy because that's not who I am. Because now I'm obedient, right? It's okay. My wife is better. My, the church is better. I'm, people around me, my, my disciples are better when I'm obedient to the Lord. So I need to examine my life and I need to do these steps. God will give you steps. He'll give you that step. Just, it takes a step of faith too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you got to trust that to the step of the Lord. But do it. Get up and do it. Quit talking about it and move and just live the surrendered life. Amen? We're going to be in church known for radical obedience. I'm not just talking about the corporate church alone. I'm talking about each individually. Someone's going to find out, oh, you go to Cornerstone Church? Oh, you guys are radical. Wow, you, you do. You not only say stuff, but you actually do them. That's what I want us to be known for, Right? That when we say it, we're going to do it. We're going to be radically obedient to the Lord. Amen? We're going to be fully surrendered to him. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's pray. Father, we thank you that your presence is with us. <laughs> you have never left us. And that your word is living and powerful. And we thank you that it's active. We thank you that a story that we just talked about happened over 500 years before the birth of Christ is as true to us today as it was true then. And we thank you for your presence here, God. And we want you to come and minister to us right now. Your church, minister to us, your body, Lord, that we would be different, God, because we are here with you. And we take this moment to reflect today We reflect right now. And I want to ask everyone as your eyes are closed, don't raise your hands or anything, but think about, is there some unfinished assignment? Is there something God is calling you to do that maybe you didn't do it in the past or maybe something right now that you just not, you've just been holding off? I want you to take some time and just reflect that today. There's something you're supposed to do to reach out to somebody maybe to offer forgiveness, offer love or witness to them. Or just something you're supposed to do. Maybe there's something you're supposed to give. Maybe God's called you to be a giver, but you haven't done that yet. Maybe give. Be a giver. But you've been worried about finances. You've been worried about things. Trust me, you can outgive God. Maybe there's something you're supposed to start. Maybe you're supposed to write something, whatever it is. Do it. So, Father, we pray, whatever those things are, God, right now, that, Father God, we're going to take that step. We're going to do those steps right now in Jesus' name. We're going to go home today. We're going to examine our life. We're going we're gonna to do what's, what we thought was hard and maybe still is hard, but we're going to do it anyway. We're going to take those steps, one, steps two, whatever steps you give us, Lord. And you may give us 20. You may give us 30. You may just give us one. But we're going to take those steps of faith and we're going to step out in faith. 
We're going to stop talking about it, thinking about it, dreaming about it. We're going to do it, God. We're going to be doers of your word. We're going to be doers, Lord. We're going to, when, when you say it, we're going to do it, Lord. And I just pray that you lift up everyone here and, and, and lift up the faith inside of them that they trust you, Lord, and that they hear your voice. Because God, right now, we fully surrender our lives to you completely, Lord. In Jesus' name, we're going to do what you've called us to do. We're going to be who you've called us to be, no matter what. In Jesus' name. Radical obedience, God, right now. Radical obedience in all of us, God. That when we even hear your word, no matter how small it is or how large it is, God, we're going to be obedient to it. We're not going to let it come one ear and out the other. We're going to be hearers and doers of your word, God. In Jesus' name. And we thank you that Cornerstone Church, all of us will be known for people who hear your word and are faithful to it. In the name of Jesus, and we thank you, God, for it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.